Have you ever found yourself after a game of D&D debating over a particular rule that came up and trying to figure out, as a group, how to break it? As a DM, do you get that feeling of dread when your player asks, if you look at it this way? Well, we decided to turn that into a podcast. A group of DMs come together every episode as we discuss how rules is written, we can figure out how to maximize what we can do with a rule, and how we can use other rules to break the game. Each episode, we will be joined by a guest, including DMs from some of our favorite podcasts, and get a sneak peek behind the DM screen from some of our favorite shows as they share their own thoughts and experiences on a particular rule and how it has affected their games. Please feel free to jump in on our discussions by leaving us a comment on Podbean, iTunes, Google Play, or Stitcher, or feel free to email me at dm at dndraw.com, or send us a tweet to at rules as written and let us know how the rule may have come up during one of your games or how you figured out a way to break the game that we didn't discuss so thanks for joining us hey everyone i'm tony hi this is bethany hey this is rachel my name is joshua c mcmahon today we're discussing min maxing or power gaming and how we I guess really how we feel about that. Uthal is my Goliath fighter. I decided to go Battlemaster uh, route for his archetype, and he can really take a beating. <laughs> right now, he has a 21 AC, a Vorpal Sword, a Animated Shield, and actually I'm planning to take a, a level in Barbarian to gain resistances for uh, bludgeoning, piercing, and slashing damage on top of that. One of my big things, though, and this is something that I just believe personally, any decision I've made for him, I want it to make sense story-wise. I want it to make sense in a narrative. So his going a fighter route dealt with his past in being trained as a soldier. Uh, his choosing to do a barbarian for this next level is he died recently, uh, <laughs> lots of falling damage. Yeah, you might have heard. You might have heard a story about that. <laughs> um <laughs> So he's looking to his ancestors and remembering his his past as a part of a nomadic tribe and trying to get back that rage to resist normal damage. So that is Uthal in a nutshell. So I, I do realize people are probably going to pick up on the, that brief, like, casual mention of, oh, and he has a Vorpal sword. Yes, <laughs> I gave him a Vorpal sword. It was a mistake. <laughs> oh, didn't see- no, no, no. We're just going to knock out the... I rolled a 20. All right. Uh, She's dead now. Never mind. Um, you forgot to mention, though, that he has, like, a pocket healer on hand, because Ash follows him around like a oh, little puppy. Oh, I know. His bestest I know. friend. He's, yeah, his best friend is like, Uthol, you gotta stop almost hand. dying. I will take care of you, but don't get killed again. Yeah. I will bring you back if it happens, yeah. but I won't be happy about it. <laughs> she's she's kind of his mom (laughs) in a way she wants him to be safe but if he's not she'll still take care of him but i think tony definitely didn't build this character as he was like looking at stats like what is the ultimate fighter or anything like that he kind of just fell into it and i think we all collectively realized uthal was a bit overpowered pretty early on just because of his like I don't know, stack of hit points. Well, I also had uh, Goliath trait Stone's Endurance to just say yeah. no to damage. 
Just say no to damage. <laughs> yeah, yeah that, that's his motto. It's just say no to damage. So he, yeah. as a tank, he can take a lot of damage, but then also he can just not take it. Yeah, which is which is great. <laughs> that's one's once per short rest. Yeah, so I'd say, um, at least I don't, uh, I don't want to speak entirely for you, Tony, but I know for me, I don't want to, I don't build a character who's like, yes, I'm going to like, Go on Reddit, read what everybody's written, study all the books, and build, like, the perfect character. But I definitely go out of my way to to really maximize what I'm I'm getting to a certain extent and make sure I, I'm building the character who will do, who can do what I want them to do. So that's how Aura came about. <laughs> yeah, so I guess that brings up, like, the big point that I kind of wanted to make is where is that line between creating an effective character and creating a min-maxed character? Well, I, I think really it comes down to, do you still roleplay that character or not? Do they still feel like a real person? If they don't, I think that's when you know you've gone too far, because they've become just like a walking stat stats. block. Stats. Yeah. yeah just stats. Just a, ho- a hodgepodge of, of statistics that don't mean anything. Yeah, or their back, their backstory has absolutely no impact on who they are. It's completely irrelevant. <laughs> because they're like, well, gotcha. and then I took a level in Bard for, you know... The abilities oh, I wanted, uh, <laughs> for, the, I the, for the, skills. the skills. Yeah. Not because I actually want to be a bard or that has anything to do with my character. Cause I, I definitely see that temptation though. Cause when I was building Ara and I was designing a multi-class, it was really tempting to take a level in bard for the skills, but she totally would never be a bard. So I was like, Ugh. it makes no sense, but it's very tempting. <laughs> so I can see how you could fall into that. Yeah, you want Aura, the snobby noble, to perform for people? No, I don't. I just want to be good at all the skill checks. Perform for people. That would be the most rude bard I can ever think of. No, I think her, instead of being a singing, dancing bard, she'd be like a lecturing bard, where she would basically just tell people what to do and feel like that was an inspirational speech. Like... I have inspired you now. My job is done. Goodbye. Like like a really obnoxious life coach. Um, Someone's basically. like, I want to hear Old Man on the Mountain. And you're like, no, you don't. That's a bad song. All right. I'm going to sing you this no, one no. instead. She'd be like, I'm not going to sing you a song because you know what? That's not going to make your pitiful existence any more meaningful. You know what you need to do? <laughs> if you can't be a drow, just be the best you you can be. But really, if you can't be a drow. So <laughs> I hope you're inspired. <laughs> be inspired or just die. Do you want to explain Ara a little bit more? So I think we've referred to Ara a little bit as my, and she was trying to be the anti-Drist when I was originally decided to play a Drow fighter or Drow ranger because we knew the campaign was going to be in the Underdark and I thought, well, I don't want to have the party uh, starve to death or get horribly lost, so it makes sense to play a ranger and get those abilities. So I, I definitely <laughs> did take a lot of the abilities into account. Um, and I... Originally wanted her to be an archer, but when we saw where things were going, I'm like, nope, she's going to focus on stabbing things. So from there, uh, a lot of the decisions for where to take her with my multiclassing was because I'm like, I want to make her the best at stabbing things with short swords I possibly can. Because that's also what she would want as a character. She's very driven to perform and achieve. Not that has anything to do with me as a person. It's totally (laughs) unrelated. Um, Nope, not at all. But it is also who she is as a character. So... When she saw the opportunity to learn from a rogue Jimjar who the party rescued, uh, and just sort of gained some ability with like with thieves tools and everything, I felt she as a character would take it, so it made sense not just from a I want more skills as a player option, but also from yeah, I think she as a character would pursue that. 
So I, I definitely won't say it's all organic and it all comes from her character and her backstory. I definitely do take a step back and say, I want to build, I want to build a character who does or who can do or at least has a chance to do the things I want them to. I wanted her to be pretty good at checks because I kind of felt like if she's not all around decent at most things, she's not a, she doesn't survive being a drow. Like she must be at least decent at most things to still be alive. Except saving throws. Except saving throws, darn it. <sighs> Sorry, I'm a little, still a little raw from Tell our last session. Really feel. <laughs> Tony made me make like seven con saving throws. <laughs> and I have zero. I have a plus zero. It was very upsetting. I got That's terrified. how I feel every time you say make a dexterity saving throw. Yeah. Or roll you, initiative. But I don't make you make <laughs> seven of them. <laughs> yeah, I think your dice hate you. <laughs> They do. <laughs> <laughs> anyway, so I also had her take two levels in fighter because her husband was a fighter and she was learning to sort of defend herself in combat. So it, basically saying that her ranger abilities weren't enough to make her survive living in the Underdark outside of the cities. So I, I will say that I felt like what I wanted, I was able to align with my character. But it's definitely... uh Definitely an analytical process for me because as one of our friends, Zach, mentioned, he's like, yeah, I didn't really, when I was building my character, really think about, like, maximizing them. But then I realized my favorite part of D&D is combat, and I built a character who's not very good at combat. (laughs) 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 Tony helped him out and gave him some items that helped kind of round out the areas he hadn't, like, really put skill points in the right thing and that sort of stuff to sort of give him more opportunity to, to get his character to do what he wanted. Um, but I think he definitely had a point, which I think, um, I know a lot of people are like, min-maxing is the devil, and there are other people are like, if you're not min-maxing, I don't know what you're doing. So, I think it's kind of like what you want as a character, and or as a player, and what works for your character, and what still makes you a good team player with the rest of the group. Yes. You know, because I, I didn't just build her to be this character because I want to be, like, the best performer of the whole party. It's because that kind of I felt was necessary to keep us all alive. Yep. Gather food, As- go stab things and kill big things very quickly. <laughs> um, however, don't take hits. Don't yeah. get hit. And then never get hit by anything. Uh, and I think Tony felt that way about Uthal too because Uthal definitely is a team player. Well, Uthal, oh, I went yeah. into it knowing he was going to be a tank. And the only thing I didn't want is I didn't want to strictly be a big, hulking, dumb barbarian. You want to be a meat, just a meat shield. <laughs> Honestly, because initially I thought Barbarian, just by itself, might wind up being boring, which is why I went Battlemaster for the abilities. But I knew I was going to be a tank, so I, I built Uthal in such a way so that he might be tough to hit, which is why the AC-21. But he can also take hits, so he has the plus four con right now. So the reason we brought up these characters is because Tony and I... um we we really like our characters, uh, and it's we like fun. to sort of um, discuss like what they would be like in different theoretical situations. Uh, and we we did do at one point uh, character versus character to see who would win. That's unrelated, but we also tried putting just those two characters up against higher level monsters to see how well they would perform. Um, so right now we're both level nine, and we found out that they can comfortably be like a CR thirteen or fourteen monster. Just two of them. Just the two yep. of no them. Healer. Nope. No healer. No healer. Ara has cure wounds. That's it. <laughs> they both have the fighter's second win, so they can do that as a bonus action. But other than that... No healing. They're definitely overpowered. <laughs> That's kind of where I'm going with this. Is while they're min-maxed, or while they're they're definitely built 
for power, mm-hmm. you, you both put a lot of love and care into why they have the traits they have. You're not just picking feats because it's the best feat. It's the best feat for them. And you give consideration as to where that would have come from narratively. Mm-hmm. That brings up this uh, excerpt I found here from Advanced D&D, uh, from the Dungeon Master's Guide, page 68. A certain amount of min-maxing is unavoidable, and even good. It shows that the player is interested in the game. But an excessive min-maxer is missing the point. Reducing a character to a list of combat modifiers and dice rolls is just not role-playing. And that's exactly on the nose. Like, while your characters are built for strength, while they're built for a very particular purpose and they do their job well, they're a real person, too. Like, Uthal cares deeply about the people around him and doing good. Mm -hmm. And Ara really (laughs) wants to... Be protect good. the rest of the party. I was like, what are you going to say? She are a person. Ara yeah, is a drought, and she is female. That's her? all the nice things okay. I can say. Well, <laughs> the the really, most Ron Swanson of speeches. I'm kidding. Really I'm mean. kidding. Her ideal is that it's her duty to protect the people beneath her. <laughs> That's literally her ideal, guys. I'm sorry. Um, Ara, in many, many instances, has actually put her own life at risk to make sure someone else could live. Yeah. yeah. Yeah, she's she's she tries. <laughs> she's still really snobby though. Exactly. Like she is snobby. She's not just drow elf number 57. <laughs> yeah, exactly. It's, it's you know, it's good drow stabber. It's a real person there. And I think that's the difference between creating not I guess I guess really where we're going with this is that, that there's a difference between min-maxing and power gaming. Mm-hmm. That idea of creating a character that is good at things, because it is still a game, why wouldn't you use the mechanics to your advantage, versus creating a stat block that has no other life other than the numbers on a piece of paper. Yeah, but I think it also depends on what you're looking to get out of the game and, and what your approach is. Because I know, Rachel, you have kind of a more organic process to character creation. Yeah, I, I tend to make things based on, like, what... I go from their story first sometimes, mm-hmm. not all the time, but, you know, I'll think of, like, okay, where do I want to be from? What kind of, like, personality do I want to have? And then, like, go from there, like, what would they pick? Um, mm-hmm. Ash is kind of just well-rounded, except for intelligence. <laughs> um, <laughs> we, we can't all have all the stats. We, we've we've so, all learned this. Like, but she's not particularly strong. Like, she's not made to be, she's not really made to be a tank. She doesn't have the AC for it. She has the hit points, but not the mm-hmm. AC. She's not made to do damage. She can hit things, but she doesn't hit particularly hard. You know, like, she's not, like, geared for healing because I don't have, like, charisma through the roof. So she's just kind of, like, decent at stuff. Yeah, she's like a jack-of-all-trades. Yeah. yeah. At least in, co- in combat. In combat. She could kind of do ev- a little yeah, bit of everything. Yeah, in combat. And then, like, outside of combat, like, she's she's good at, like, she's got charisma so she can deal with people. Yeah, she's very persuasive. <laughs> she's very persuasive. That's how, that's that's how, how she she's got Grindo. <laughs> yeah, yeah. She, he was All amazing. <laughs> <laughs> um, but so there's like her, and then I have like in my um, like in the fourth edition game I'm playing, mm-hmm. I play a Minotaur shaman, uh, which shamans can wear medium leather, um, you know, for better AC. But because of her backstory, she. Um, she refuses to wear leather because she helped in, like, mass slaughter of animals and saw, like, all their suffering. And because she is a shaman, she's very, like, connected to nature. She refuses to wear leather. So to compensate, I took a feat, basically, that boosts my light armor 
So my mm-hmm. cloth armor up a couple points. I still have garbage for AC. <laughs> Let me put that straight. I am not made for combat. I am made for healing things, and she likes to sew. <laughs> That's her thing. <laughs> but, like, so I have that, and then I have my, I have a rock gnome warlock. Mm-hmm. So let's just let that sink in. Rock gnome, <laughs> gnome warlock, warlock. <laughs> of the undying light. So <laughs> it's like what things maybe don't necessarily... I don't try to shoot myself in the foot, but I definitely don't go like, okay, I want to be an Undying Light Warlock. Let's pick the thing that would go best with that for race. I just go like, ooh, this would be a really fun combination. Let's see how it goes. (laughs) (laughs) Yeah. Yeah. So I think, I don't know. How do you, what do you think, Josh? What's your, your approach? For building characters, yeah, usually furiously constructed within a day before the campaign starts. So uh, because I'm so on top of my life. So procrastination, inspiration. Um, <laughs> yes, yes. Um, I let me think. How many characters have I built so far? That was the first character I ever built. I put like 13 skill points over the course of the campaign into. Um, weaponsmithing, mm-hmm. only to discover that we don't really do that in the game. <laughs> and that was back when I was playing Pathfinder. Um, that character was all kinds of screwed up. I've gotten a bit better at it lately, but I tend to go more the story route of things. Uh, one of my favorite characters, I think, that I played once was a sailor fighter. That's, what, that's right. It was a fighter. And she was a lot of fun because it was a simple build. She didn't have a lot of skills. I did a lot more work with the backstory on that. I think I want to say that was the first character I ever really focused on the narrative aspect mm-hmm. once I got the mechanics down. Because I think that's a lot of new players, I think that's what they focus on first is how do these mechanics, these game rules work and how do I build this out? And then eventually when they get, I don't want to say bored of it, but when they get that under their belt, they move on to this story aspect. Um, that a lot more experienced D&D players have. When they get comfortable. Of, it's not just a... Yeah. Exactly, exactly. So, I guess I'd say, like, uh part of my perspective on this comes out of the, the game, the first game Tony and I played with you as DM, Rachel, where <laughs> uh you're like, yeah, you can build whatever you want. And I'm like, awesome. I've got this amazing concept for a sorcerer who comes from, like, this impoverished background. I was really excited about the story, and I built the character, and I made bad choices. I made really <laughs> bad choices. Um... Because I didn't know what I was doing. I'd never played a game like this before. I, like, read some stuff online. I was like, okay, I'm going to put skills in these useful things, and I'm going to put all my points into charisma and int. Yeah, I made really bad choices. Um, <laughs> no con. I have six no hit con. points. <laughs> no con. I, I was like, I don't, need, I don't need con. I'm a caster. <laughs> yeah. So I think it, it was fun to play her, but it was also anxiety-inducing. Because I built a character who couldn't do what I wanted her to do because she was so gimped. Um, But that's also 3.5 is a lot more. That's true. Um, It's a lot more difficult to get where you want to get. It's a lot less forgiving. It's more limited. Yeah, Yeah, it's 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 very unforgiving. Uh, But I think because of that, when I was, you know, we switched to 5e and building a character for Tony's game, I was like, okay, I I know what I want. I'm going to make sure I get it with my character. Because we also had the issue, and this isn't exactly a min-maxing related thing. It's a little off topic, but uh I am a big fan of not perfectly balanced parties, but of parties that have a good representation of different skills and abilities. 
Um, so that's partly where Aura <laughs> came from because I know I'm like, no one wants to play a ranger, especially in fifth edition. Hey. No offense to people. I, yeah, Tony <laughs> played a ranger in three five. Um, I like playing rangers, but I feel a lot of people don't ever have them as their first choice. So that's why I picked Ranger for her, because I thought these are good skills. No one else is going to play this and she'll be a well-rounded party member. Uh, whereas in your game, Rachel, my sorcerer was a terrible party member. She was squishy and violent. So, <laughs> <laughs> and not the nicest. No. The, the best adjectives for a person. <laughs> squishy and violent. <laughs> <laughs> and they go hand in hand, you know? Yeah. Yeah, they'd be like, all right, we gotta keep everybody away from her. And she'd be like, great, now that you've got all the enemies together, I'm just gonna go lob spells at them. They might hit you guys, don't worry, you'll probably be fine. I don't know. I can't heal you. <laughs> but I don't um, care. Yeah. <laughs> So uh, I definitely did not make good choices as a as a member of a group. Partly because you guys survived pretty well, though. Surprisingly. Yeah, but it was like every session I was like, I have no idea. How do we get by again? How do we even not kill each other? Like, yeah, <laughs> it might have gotten close once or twice. So I think min maxing can be good if you're not doing it to just build the best character for yourself, but if you're trying to build a good member of a team. To fulfill a certain role. Yeah, that absolutely makes sense. And I think that there's stages, too, that people work through, like like you just said and how I went through before, is the very first character you build is always just broken crap. <laughs> it's not it's not good at all. Because you don't know what you're doing. Yeah. You don't know where to put your skill points or your, or your ability curve. scores. Yeah, you got dreams. You got big dreams and no idea how to get how to achieve them. <laughs> <laughs> no clue. Um, my first character was just a hodgepodge of things. Um, and it didn't matter how good your teacher is, you know, it, it, you don't really start to understand it until you start playing the game with something so that you can go back and redo it on your next game, Mm -hmm. you know, or your next character or whomever. And I think when players are first being introduced to D&D like that, that it's natural to gravitate towards min-maxing or stat blocking because... You've made all these mistakes that, that create a gimped character, and then you seek to correct it and make the most powerful character in your second and third iteration, and you can get lost down that. But eventually, when you get past all that crap, you get to, to the point where you, you can start creating characters who have narrative arcs. I was always so amazed, Tony, that you got to that point like within one character, I want to say. Within one game, you were like, let me make a better character. So let me explain that really quickly. I made... Orcs killed my family, uh, Wood Elf, and that's it. That was his only motivation, yeah. and I got bored. He was like the first few minutes of Batman, but just the first few minutes. <laughs> What's the voice? I, I switched to the voice later just because it felt appropriate. Are, are you going to do an impression? Can you? Orcs killed my family. <laughs> I need to deal with them. Every single NPC we what, talked to, they're like, what are yeah. Yes. Imagine yeah. A, a party rolls in. One guy's like, can I play you a song? And he's like, orcs killed my family. And Mike's like, so I'm not going to set anything on fire right away. But I, I'm yeah. keeping my options open. <laughs> I went to, at, at any point I went into town, I went and I maybe drank ale and that's it. Otherwise, I was like, no, let's just, let's keep moving. There are no orcs here. I don't care. But he oh, was man. really boring. He was so boring, guys. So on my next character... <laughs> like, I love Tony, and I'm like, I hate your character. But you didn't focus on... What was your next character? I forget. Next character was Uthal. Yeah. It was Uthal. Okay, holy crap. Yeah. I forget the timescales are so weird. We, but yeah, your next character was Uthal, who isn't a stat block. It's like you've 
you've improved the statting <laughs> of the character and the RP of the character. To give you to give you an idea, um, I think my this backstory for Adivin, uh, my wood elf ranger, was like a paragraph. My backstory for Uthal was almost three pages. Yeah, it doesn't fit in that little like back character backstory slot on the sheet, even if you make it size four. Like it doesn't fit. Oh. It just doesn't go. I wanted a Ooh. character with history this time. You wanted an actual person. Yeah. A person. A real person, not bad impression of Batman. No offense, Tony. It's okay. Uh-huh. I I gotta say, that's rare to to get to that point with your second character. Mm-hmm. Because a lot of players, they tend to get stuck on that power gaming curve for a while. I think that that one character I made only started to have like a very intertwined backstory. What was she, my third or fourth character I ever made? Something like that. Yeah, I honestly say a lot of it comes down to your DM. Like what your DM encourages you to do and how involved your DM is in your character creation. Like, like overall, I wouldn't say I've had the same involvement with every player. Some players I've helped a lot, um, like down to the details of it. And some of them, like Rachel, I was like, so what do you want to play? <laughs> They're like, I don't know, like, like a, I don't know, like a Earth Genasi Paladin. I was like, okay, great. Have fun. Cool. Let me, let me see your sheet. <laughs> we'll work out a way that she and Uthal have a history together so that they'll already be friends. So you have that like shared, you know, yeah. background. Well, I think it too depends on what kind of, um, like what kind of game you're playing. If you yeah. know ahead of time, it's going to be more like it's going to be combat all the time. Then yeah, mm-hmm. min max, because you don't want to be the only person in the back going. Yeah. You know, just like chilling in the back, waiting to is, do your spot checks. <laughs> is, is that the, is that the bardic inspiration there? <laughs> not even that. That's, um, <laughs> yeah, that's not even that. <laughs> That's like the person who who prepped for doing like the investigation and the history and the arcana checks. Right. Like the scholage, uh, scholage, scholarly college, very scholarly scholarly college, uh, cleric. (laughs) Who's like, I'm a skilled investigator. I can figure out anything. Pretty much. Uh, I'll wait over here. Like, yeah. Yeah. Yeah, I think that's, that's true. You gotta fit with what your game is. Uh, my game is very RP heavy. Not like, I'd say it's like, it's probably like 75% RP though, really overall. Probably about. If I was, if I, when I time it out, I plan for about a quarter of the session to be combat. Um, cause that's what the, I think that's what everybody likes to do and you guys are all very invested in your characters and whatever the heck their little trivial things are. Cause they're they're very silly. (laughs) It's mostly food related. That's the trivial stuff. It's food related. Um, it's not trivial. It's important to us. (laughs) It's important. Cheese matters, people. Cheese matters. It's called world building. Yeah. And I I really love that. It's fun for me as a DM. Um, So I wouldn't say that, like, it's a super min-max party, but at the same time, I definitely was a bit of a Nazi DM in that I kind of locked down what classes would be available. It's kind of like, all right, you've got a fighter. No more fighters. No barbarians. You've got a fighter. You don't need one. Next. Like... Just so there'd be some representation of different classes. And that has served you guys really well. Because there's basically no challenge you guys can't overcome. Besides maybe investigation. But yeah, anything we're so smart. Related. Yeah. So but smart. basically, you've learned. You can just charisma or, or or violence your way through it. <laughs> there's a door here. There's, that, there's a door that's locked. We have no rogue. I have a crowbar. And you have a, a pick. 
Let's do this. Yeah. <laughs> that is intent on killing things and destroying the world, yes. Yeah, because you guys have a monk, a fighter, a paladin, a cleric, and a sorcerer. So you, you've got the major bases covered. Um, so that sense, you're, you're pretty competent all around. And to be fair, like a lot of those cultists, they're missing a couple of, uh, a couple of watts there in the yeah, old light bulb. They're upstairs. cultists. <laughs> yeah. yeah. No, no, no. There's a reason they became cultists. We, I, I still love, we convinced a troll that what he saw was wrong just by saying no. Oh, that was really, I felt, no. Yeah. He, well, he was very, he was very poor at figuring things out and you guys were so persuasive. <laughs> Did you want to tell that story really briefly, Tony? It's totally unrelated to Ben Maxing, but I thought it was funny. Um, sure. We basically <laughs> busted the lock on, on a bar door. Uh, this troll comes around the corner and doesn't quite trust us, looks at the lock and says, it's like, no, it's broken from this side. They weren't trying to break in and, I think that was me that just says, no, you're wrong. <laughs> That's one. <laughs> he looked at the lock again and was like, oh, yeah. maybe I am. Yeah, you, know, you rolled an intimidation check, and he was like, oh, my gosh, I made a terrible mistake. I'm so sorry. Um, and then just, like, scuttled away. <laughs> I wouldn't believe it, except I've seen that thing happen in real life. Sometimes. Yeah, and you're like, it, sometimes just force of personality wins the day. Yes, yes. And it's always like, oh, oh no, baby. Oh, my heart. <laughs> well, he was also like a troll, so you know, they're not He's actually he he's not up there on the intelligence. <laughs> yeah, so his reward was he did not get murdered. Yeah, he's still alive. We didn't kill him. Yeah. Yeah, he's gonna go live out his troll life under a bridge. If the lizard folk don't kill him. Well, you never know. Anyway, so that that's off topic. Unrelated. I so I think even if you build this min-max character, I don't think you can build a character that does everything. There's you still got to work with the group. No one's oh, in yeah. it alone, you know. I think some people might mm-hmm. think that when they're building their character. Like, don't worry, I'll take care of everything. Nah, I've never so, met one of those. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> so if you if you've got a character who isn't, or rather a player who's sort of doing this whole, like obviously we have our little group who we kind of know what to expect from each other and, <laughs> yeah. and we don't do this, but if you were starting a new campaign with somebody who is trying to min-max in, in that just taking the best of the best to make a stat block, how do you, how as a DM would you handle that? Well, obviously, you know, my approach is by crushing it. Um, basically. <laughs> <laughs> I'm, I'm kidding. Um, uh, no, I'd follow up and be like, if you can make a backstory that makes this feel like a real person, fine by me. If not, you got to adjust. Yeah. That makes sense. Yeah. Okay. I think, yeah, it does have to make sense of the backstory. But one thing that I, I'll do as a DM occasionally is a character who starts to get too into this min-max character... I will remind them they cannot be good at everything in session. Okay, he's talking about me, guys. He's talking about no, me. No, okay? actually, I was talking. <laughs> about, I was talking about our barbarian. I know. I'm. I'm. Um, um, who he's like, guys. Basically, when I rage, I have double hit points. It's fine. And then they went up against a creature that dealt psychic damage. Oh. And those yeah. double hit points were meaningless. Yeah, but I could see in that situation there were we did have some issues where I think he resented me for my character being really good at stabbing things because I did a lot more damage than he did and he was disappointed with his character's performance. Um 
Because he built he built a meat shield who was supposed to absorb damage, not deal it. Yeah. So I think he he could take a ton of damage. A ton, a ton. I can't take any. Like one one solid hit, I'm out. But that was the character he built. So yeah, even so, when you intend to go for for a particular thing, it might not work out the way that you want. Yeah, it's a good point. It's true, and it, and the reason you have a a group party to to do these things is because other detriments should cover. Um, the other players. Yeah. Well, Uth, okay. Uthal can't make a charisma check to save his life, but going into the fight, he can take on most things. Except for the troll. That was, that was where that the was one nat 20 happened. <laughs> but no, basically you built Uthal to be a, he's a soldier background. He's trained for combat. That's what he's good at. He's really not good at any skill checks except athletics. And Arcana for some and reason. And Arcana. And Arcana, but that's just because you roll well, not because he's good at Arcana. He just is like, has a weird flukish ability to, to know Arcana. Yeah, he hates magic so much, but he knows all about it. Yeah. It must be that he's so suspicious. He just sort of pays attention yeah, whenever it's He happening. retains everything he's ever heard mm-hmm. about magic because it's, he's basically, I guess, like a conspiracy theorist that, in his own that's where we're going secret with. self. Yeah. Um, but you didn't build him to be good at, 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 at checks. And he's not. that's because, because you knew the rest of the party was sort of covering that. I mean, you've got a lot of charisma across the board. And we have the paladin that boosts all our saving throws. You are mm-hmm. welcome. <laughs> yeah. Enjoy basking in my presence. Plus yes. two. <laughs> You're welcome. That plus that Oh, and have some resistance as well. Yeah, that plus yeah. two and resistance has saved us so many times. Yeah, mm-hmm. it makes it really hard, you guys, to put stuff up against you because you're just like, yeah, I know it seems like a tough monster, but we're just gonna say no to damage. <laughs> we're just so. Wasn't it? Didn't we, I really like it. Didn't we take, <laughs> yeah. You think we do like a, a 54 points of damage or 60 points of damage, but then because of resistance and the save, and I rolled my uh, my no to damage ability, stones endurance. Yeah, your stones. Then I take wind up instead of 60, like eight. Yeah, yeah, I was like. <laughs> That was his most powerful spell. Well, too bad he'll be dead next turn. Yeah, I think I took 15. Yeah. Yeah, yeah. It's been great for you guys. So you guys have a good party, like, especially for combat. Outside of combat, man, we still manage. You you get through stuff. Charisma-wise, we're very strong. That's what we need to do. We need to just start, like, convincing people to do the investigation checks for us. So you would like to start your own cult, basically. Start recruiting people. I don't know what you're talking about. Hey, it doesn't seem like it's that hard. (laughs) Grindo's our first person. Uh, Oh, man. Tony brought this up the other day where he's like, oh, my gosh, if we had adopted Grindo, he would have gone and joined the cultists. He would (gasps) have done it. (laughs) Would have had to murder him. But guys, they feed me. They're really nice. Yeah, like, no, they seem super okay. I just have to worship uh, Yancey Ben and then I'm fine. Yeah, they make me chant some stuff. I learned a secret hand sign because we're all friends. <laughs> uh, and yes, I'll tell you right where their base is. It's fine. Yeah. See, that's where we're going to benefit us. Grando's such an amazing cook, though. It's incredible how many blood-based recipes he actually makes yeah. taste good. Oh, <laughs> poor Grando. Grendo is not a, an optimized character. He's the he's what you get when you have the opposite. He's is he, good um, at one thing. Is he Max Minning a- instead of Min Max? Yeah, he's max minning. <laughs> Maximize the skills you don't need and minimize the ones you do. Yep. Excellent cooking and looking attractive. Uh, yes. All. Hair flips. <laughs> Hair flips. <laughs> yeah. He doesn't know he's beautiful. Mm. No, he doesn't. That's part of his charm. He has no idea. <laughs> Poor Grendo. 
Apparently, I don't know either, so it's fine. You thought he was <laughs> a half orc. <laughs> I think we've mentioned this before that the mistaken identity. Um, oh, we it's have. still love funny, it. though. All right, so we we've gotten a little off topic. So what else did we want to talk about with min maxing? So we've gotten. I found one particular example on Reddit from Fall Wall Tall's explanation. And um, he's got two points. A story-based RPGer, which is, uh, my guy comes from a repressed, remote, and rural community. I have never been to a big city, and none of my friends have. The area is plagued by werewolves because of, ex- insert part of world's lore. My family has for generations acted as werewolf hunters in times of need for the local region. However, the infestation of werewolves is very bad right now. And many villagers are disappearing. I've been chosen to journey to a big city to petition the High Lord for help. And on my way, I meet dot, dot, dot. So my character build. Well, I guess I will be a warrior-based character. These people probably don't have a sophisticated weaponry, so I'll take the specialty spear. While I can go toe-to-toe with a werewolf any day, the idea of undead scare the hell out of me. Phobia undead. This gives me a bonus point that I will spend on family heirloom for killing werewolves, the silver-tipped spear. What um, what so, edition is yeah. this talking about? That's what I'm wondering. This is a more general edition, so I okay. think he's just talking in like general terms of uh, other mechanics. Okay, it may be I was like, what is the bonus point, and why don't I have them? <laughs> yeah, I don't, I don't know. It may be... I thought this was from 3.5, but I guess this isn't. It doesn't uh, sound like 3.5. Yeah. Uh, it could be, though, because of the spe- spear specialty. Yeah, so maybe, it could yeah. be 3.5. Just, maybe it's just a very high level. Yeah. Yeah, it could be. Um, I think below somebody had written he was just trying to be general for all purpose systems, mm-hmm. but yeah, but. So, um, whereas the min-maxer might do something like this. I want to make a warrior, so I have the most HP and damage possible. Since dual wielding nearly doubles my damage output and gets the bonus of two magic weapons later, I will dual dual wield. At level five, I'm gonna take dual wield finesse, which will take my offhand weapon, Act as a shield anyway. I will take phobias for three things, the maximum, that almost never come up. Cacti, bardic music, even with the phobia, I can easily easily overpower a bard, and witnessing alchemy. Okay, that gives me three bonus points. One goes to resist fear, which will nearly eliminate any impact of the phobias. I will put another point into katana mastery. That leaves one bonus point. Oh, and I will add correctable nearsightedness for two extra bonus points. One of those I will use for magic, invisible, corrective lenses that never fall off, under the family heirloom trait. The remaining two bonus points are used to increase the critical damage percentage of katanas and enhance the resulting damage. Okay, so now I have the maximum damage per round at level one character. I got five bonus points for my two phobias and weaknesses, but essentially removed the effect using two bonus points. That net was three bonus points that I dumped into stacking katana damage bonuses for my two katanas. My backstory, I guess I'm a ninja or something. <laughs> guess I'm a ninja or something. Okay, so I'll admit, like, I do not understand what this whole thing is with the phobias, um, but I think that's a specific rule in a rule set. Yeah, yeah sounds like you're taking detriments to give yourself more bonuses. Yeah, um, but but this uh, this level of analysis is very much what I use to build Aura. So <laughs> I, I will admit that. No, no, like I looked up, like okay, I'm gonna do a wheel short swords because that's the best options for what I can do. I can do a deck space because I'm not gonna be a strength character. I did all that, but I also did the backstory, so. I, uh, yeah. I'll admit it. I did it. 
You looked at the and stats. And you're both a power it... gamer and a min-maxer. <laughs> I, I want to do it all, guys. I'm, I'm going to call it character optimization. I see it as the best backstory and the best <laughs> possible use of my stats. So that's I find that really interesting, actually. Because, yeah, because, like, these discussions I found online of people talking about min-maxing, they don't separate that from creating a backstory. Like, they seem to... Posit those as two, two uh, as the same thing. Mm-hmm. So, two if if you are min maxing, you can't possibly have a character that has a rich and vibrant, you know, background. Yeah, and I don't think that that's true I don't either. I think maybe it's that people who tend to do people tend to do one or the other. There aren't that many people that really full heartedly pursue both. I guess that's probably why. Yeah, it requires a bit more effort. It's a lot of work. Um, I was, yeah, it's, you gotta make them fit together. So you, you do make it harder on yourself in that sense. Mm, mm-hmm, mm-hmm. So I, I think, uh, I think that's probably why people don't tend to do it. Um, and, and it means also you have to work a lot more with your DM too. So I guess in terms of if we were to give our listeners advice for, for this kind of a thing, don't stifle min-maxing, it does mean that your players are engaged. It does mean that they're reading the rule sets and putting things together in interesting ways. Mm-hmm. Um, but I think 5th edition also helps with with creating this this idea of a character background because you have to pick those personality traits and the bonds and flaws and stuff like that. So encouraging your players to do that as well and tie up all of those things as to why your character did all these really weird things in multi-class three different ways like how did that happen? Mm-hmm. Like where's the background for that? Yeah, yeah, I think that's a that's a good way to go about it. And you know, just DMs work with your work with your players to help them realize the character they actually want to play. And sometimes they don't know what that is, so it's just sort of work with them and you can adjust things over time too. I mean, your character can go a different direction like Uthal, like Tony was saying Uthal is now going to go barbarian even though that was originally not what he wanted, but that's where the story is taking him. Yeah. Yeah. So just sort of be open-minded about where you'll end up. It's kind of like life where you can't really plan out. You could try to, like, where am I going to be in five years? What's my five-year plan? Um, you could have sort of a goal, but you might end up doing something completely different. Yeah. And also you should work with, like, so if you have one player that wants to min-max, but none of the rest want to, maybe... I mean, this is going to sound harsh, but maybe they're not meant for your game because especially if they want to min-max for combat and you've made it clear that it's not going to be a combat-heavy game, mm-hmm. like, definitely make sure that they're aware, like, hey, you're going to be min-maxing for something that's going to come up one quarter of the time. I want you to be aware yeah. of this, that if you set your stats like this, your role play might suffer because you're not going to be as effective, like, outside of combat. That's absolutely true. Also, depending on, like, if all the other players are new, even if combat's still something that happens, if you've got one guy who's min-maxed like crazy, you've got to balance that CR. That can be tough. You either He either wipes the floor with the monsters or the monsters kill all the other players. Yeah. Well, so, yeah, as long as the group is working together, that shouldn't be a problem. That's what you right, say. Right, right. <laughs> well, it's, it's been okay with you guys. You haven't had a problem with one person getting wiped out. Uh, over and over again, because because you guys as players and your characters are like, oh, so and so's in trouble. We're gonna go bail him out. Uthal's unconscious again. Step over and get him out of there. Usually, usually means sigh. 
Yeah, the monk runs in, punches things, and then gets whacked. That happens a lot. But now he's got the thing to, to help. The, yeah, the yeah, exactly. Yeah, so I think that in his DM you could sort of fill in some of those deficiencies. Some of those you holes. See. <laughs> yeah, if, if it's becoming... Un- it, it needs to be fun to play at the end of the day. That's why we play. It's for fun. Yeah. yeah. So it's just finding the right kind of fun. <laughs> <laughs> Which is my stance on everything. <laughs> But I'm realizing almost all of our advice for all these different topics is figure out what works for your group. There really isn't like a, there are very few things that I'd say, yes, you must always follow this approach for everything. Basically, the one thing we're saying you must always do is realize that it's a game and you're working together. Yeah. Yes. Well, I think a lot of people can forget that all the time. Yeah. I think that's that's, that's my number one rule is we're all here to have fun together. But I want to win D&D. I know, I want to be the very best. <laughs> yeah, so in our interactions on Twitter, uh, I came across Kaywood Publishing, which is run by Andrew Kaywood, and he tweets a lot of great stuff about D&D and role-playing in general, so I've, I've been enjoying his tweets, and I saw that he has some materials on drive through RPG and the DMs Guild, so I kind of tweeted him about that, saying, you know, we're, we're interested in doing some reviews of stuff, and, and your materials look really great based on the synopses I've seen. And he said, cool, I'll send you PDFs. And I was like, oh, that's so nice. <laughs> I'm so excited. So he, he just uh, he sent them to us for us to review, and uh, I guess we're just going to kind of talk about what we thought of them, which I thought they were pretty great uh, for DMs especially. It's mainly tables and things to really help flesh out your game. So if you're running a uh, a campaign without a module, I'd say his guides would be awesome. So the ones we looked at... Um, oh, and just to be clear, too, so no, so everyone has the same idea as, or is on the same page, uh, we didn't get paid for this. No, no, we, we didn't. We, he sent us some material. This is our unbiased, <laughs> honest review. Yeah. Which he did not influence in any way. So... No, besides that, that disclaimer is out of the way. Yeah, yeah, he was he was nice to us, and we were pleased. That's, that's as far as that went. <laughs> uh, I did want to mention, so we don't forget, that he has a Kickstarter right now for uh, adventure modules for his World of Mirror campaign setting, and that's one of the materials he did send us. Is sort of the the guy that fleshes out that whole world. Um, it's very detailed, uh, and I thought really interesting. So if you're looking for an alternative to the Forgotten Realms, but don't want to have to build it from scratch, he already has this entire world built, uh, down to like, I think the history, the races, like, Notable what kind people. Of, yeah, who are some famous <laughs> yeah. people? Stores. What are their, what do they sell in their taverns? <laughs> yeah. Yeah, I was looking at it, and he starts off from like the first humans coming to this land, uh, traveling, and going for hundreds of years. He even goes out to like, here's how many inhabitants the villages have, and the towns, and the cities, and and how you can travel. Um, so I, I think it's pretty cool that it's definitely a really rich world that is fleshed out to an extent where there's not going to be a lot of work for you as a DM if you want to use this. Uh, mm-hmm. And it, it looks pretty interesting. He's got his deities and everything. So. I think uh, it's worth looking at. It's over, it's over 300 pages long. I have not read the whole thing. I, I definitely did skim it, but I couldn't really think of any question I wanted answered that I couldn't find in here. Yeah, he focuses <laughs> on the, the terrain that monsters you would encounter there. He adds some of his own uh, monsters and stat blocks of creatures. Um, skimming through it, he's very detailed on, on the history of the world. Well, not like 
giving too much that people could fill in some of the gaps here and there. Um, he has different groups, uh, the, the races, uh, different settlements and where you would find certain, uh, important individuals even. Um, very well detailed. So I think actually it's an awesome alternative if you want to do a different world than the Forgotten Realms. He sent us, I think, six different documents. Yes, this would be the main one. But I think all six of them, I mean, they're all fairly, the, the main one is the 300 pages and stuff, but the others also have very good information. They're all over 50 pages a piece, right? Yeah. Yeah. I think. yeah. Yeah. They're all significant materials that you're, you're, you're definitely getting a lot for. Yeah. And it's not like heavy and like art either. It's, it's a lot of content versus just like fluff pages and, um, yeah, it's really cool. I really personally, I really like the stores handbook. Oh yeah. That one's really good. So, so that kind of covers that, that campaign setting, which I think is like $8 on a uh, drive through RPG. And that's the one, if you're interested in that, he also has the Kickstarter, which is going to have some adventures set in that world as well as like an additional handbook. Um, with he has some new artists, so it looks like it's definitely like stepping up his game for for the quality mm-hmm. of of that sort of side of things. Um, and I know Rachel, you already backed it on Kickstarter. Yes, I did. Yeah, so we are also not paid to say this. Just a reminder, we're just excited. <laughs> <laughs> I love content and supplements. So yeah, yeah. One of my favorite things is um, honestly, I was looking at his Inns and Ta- Taverns handbook. It's just so detailed. Mm-hmm. He has like every type. He gives you an idea of. Uh, who runs it, how much staff they have, what are their key uh, uh, foods that they sell if they're a tavern, how much an inn would cost for the night. Really, really detailed, and there's there's a ton. Yeah, this is the sort of thing that'll come in handy when you're, especially if you have a party, as a DM, you have a party who travels around a lot, and they're like, all right, there's got to be, what's the next town, and where can we stay? And you go, um, hold on a second. <laughs> Yeah, <laughs> quick, quick references. And this gives you something that you can go flip to, grab something new and interesting that you don't have to completely come up with from scratch. Um, and, and it'll be, you can have some consistency around around the sort of stuff you're creating. Uh, yeah. So I think it's it's a really good reference material because they have a lot of tables and things you can roll on in the DMG, but they only take you so far. Mm-hmm. And this one's really good because, like, the stores book that I was referencing, they yes. have... They have a description of the store. Then he talks about who the staff is, what languages are spoken there, and what typical customers might be found in it, along with what's actually in the store. Yeah, that's fantastic. Yeah, yeah. and I think that's really good for a party that's really into RP, like my party and my campaign, where you guys, if you go anywhere, you want to get to know at least two people. Like, what are their hopes and dreams? Do they possibly want to join Red Larch, et cetera? So if I told you it's a store, there's a guy who runs it, that's all I'm going to tell you. Be like, mm, but, but like, <laughs> but like, really, but, how, but like, where's but the rest? How do we of take them? him home? Yeah. Yeah, yeah, like, and what, well, is there somebody else in the store we could take home? Like, <laughs> I think I it, want him. <laughs> this is the sort of, this sort of materials help you make the world seem more rich and, and real and less, uh, just like a, a facade. You can actually interact with it, and and there's there's things going on outside of your peripherals. Yeah, and I'll t- say like stores are a pain as a as a DM because you can't have every store have everything, but sometimes players need a particular thing, so they need to be able to find it somewhere. Mm-hmm. So it's it's definitely a, sh- a struggle to to figure that out. So he kind of has already done that that legwork for you to to put that together, especially for yeah. prices and stuff. So you're not having yeah, to flip prices to the player. Yeah, prices are the worst. 
Yeah, I could flip through the player's guide going, why don't they have this all in a table in the player's guide instead of sort of some of it and some of it not? Yep. Well, it's really nice because you can either use his entire world if you want to use an alter- alternate to the to the typical world that the players have been exploring, or you can just use some of the other PDFs as supplement material for your current world. Yeah. And they don't you do, they go they they don't have to be hand in hand. They can be used a la carte depending on what your needs yeah. are. Yeah. No, I agree because I, I definitely gonna I'm gonna use the store's handbook. I think it's really cool. And I know when you guys are next going to a big city because you guys know you're gonna go to a big city, you're gonna want to go on a shopping trip, oh, yeah. which oh, will yeah. probably be an entire session of going from store to store and shopping. And uh, I'd rather not have to build a dozen stores. And it should be noticed the entire an entire session for us is like six hours. Or it is. And you guys, given the opportunity, I believe would shop for six hours. Oh yeah, because you like haggling. Some of you really like haggling. Um, but I think it's it's a really nice resource because I know as a DM, there's so much work you have to do and so much to keep track of. Anything you can have that will help you. Keep the keep the story flowing, keep the world feeling rich without having to get bogged down in the details is really helpful. Yeah. And you can't plan for everything. So having something that you can pull up real quick, like, oh, yes, I just there happens to be a smith here. Yeah. Yeah, He also has the uh, the traveler's handbook, which this one made me think of uh, your campaign, Tony, without the abyss, where we spend a significant amount of time traveling. And it has everything covered from, like, what are different kinds of mounts you can use while traveling and, and different vehicles and or a random events table. Oh, also, so, one of the big things I've asked you guys, what are you doing while you guys are traveling? And he has different activities that you can do while traveling. Because um, I know as a player, sometimes it can be hard if you have if you're used to going from, like, combat to combat or from RP to RP when you have these long stretches where you're traveling. It, it, you're like, I don't know what I want to do. I don't have any hobbies. I'm an adventurer. I stab things, and then I snub people. Like, <laughs> I, I have no other interests. Um, so I think it's it, it's give you a challenge to sort of figure out what's what's going on during all that time. He has a, a random events table that you can actually either roll on or take inspiration from. Of different things that you could see while you're traveling, different things that could happen. Um, I'm just going through it right now. You like you notice some a, a brawl break out on the middle of the road. Unskilled bard begins to play. Yeah, yeah uh, these that, are just little things favorites. that are you could have to potentially have the party deal with while they're traveling, rather than just have. Well, you're along the road. It's very nice out. Um, not a lot happens. The weather is pleasant. Yeah, everything's good. Uh, yeah. He has a whole section on, like, random NPCs, too. That could be helpful when you're trying to come up with interesting characters to sort of insert briefly in the story just to keep the keep things interesting. I was going to say, too, because one of the tough things is to put in those little characters, those little moments that... And I, I see this as a challenge on some television shows, too, where everything that the characters interact with tends to be significant in mm-hmm. some way. So if you're approached, say, you know, by a gnome salesperson in the street, they must be an important gnome <laughs> salesperson in the middle of the street. It can't just be this one person who's extra pushy with their wares. <laughs> and to be able to have some kind of a reference to that or to to be reminded as a as a DM to put some of that random stuff in there that just kind of happens in real life, yeah, that's no, really, I really think- cool. I think our characters all think the world revolves around them, so it's mm-hmm. all about mm-hmm. us. It, it must have a, it right. must be related to our quest. The kid just be some guy. Everything it's here is important to us. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Otherwise, why is it here? <laughs> mm-hmm. Exactly. Yeah. 
Because we're all selfish at the end. And we're all gamers. <laughs> yeah, yeah. I'm the player. I'm the only thing that's real here. Nothing else matters. <laughs> kind of true. Uh, he also has uh, two uh, Dungeon Masters handbooks, which uh, I really liked. It sort of is like builds on the sort of stuff that you have in the Dungeon Master's Guide. But if you're looking for more of it, he's got a nice section of like tips, um, which are really good. Like some stuff like dice rolls are not always necessary. Things just to remind yourself of. Mm-hmm. Uh, he does have a critical hit table, which I thought was interesting. Um, just sort of like bonus effects you can give your your players if they if they have a critical success on an attack. Like the um, if the enemy is a small a size large or smaller, they get knocked prone. That sort of thing. Or what can happen on a critical miss. Okay, yeah. so more variety to those kinds of a thing. I was looking at one, like, you could accidentally throw your weapon by accident. Because <laughs> it slips from your hand. Yeah, and I'm looking at it right now, like, just kind of flipping through the, the chases. Like, it's got some really cool ideas for if you want to do a, like, a chase scene. Mm-hmm. Um, he's got some uh, roll tables that you could roll on, like, uh, Frozen Lake Chase. You know, you roll D20, and you could slip on the ice, you have to make a dexterity saving throw, or you fall prone. You know, so it's like... Instead of just having, like, a standard, you know, your turn, then your turn, then your turn, it'd be like, okay, go ahead and roll a t20, and we'll see how it plays out. So, Yeah, I think cool. a, a lot of these materials, basically, they're not they're not giving you the ideas to build the world. You already have those ideas. It's helping you realize those ideas. How do I mechanically make these things happen Yeah, in some, in some situations? Uh, he also did have in the first Dungeon Master's handbook uh, an alternative wild magic table, Josh. I don't know if you saw that, but yeah. it made me think of... I might be knowledge. using that, by the way. Yeah, like one of them is you fall in love with the closest PC. <laughs> oh no. <laughs> we all know it would not be the female character would obviously be the male character. That would be way more ridiculous for poor poor Zach to have to handle. <laughs> oh gosh. The closest PC on the table or the closest PC in the game? Well, that's <laughs> what I was gonna PC say. To your character. <laughs> uh. Um but uh, another oh. ones that are pretty funny, like, you think you're invisible? No, no, no. <laughs> you smell like soup for a day. You turn into cheese for two turns. <laughs> oh, well, Rachel, <laughs> if that wasn't written for you. <laughs> I don't know what you're talking about. Uh, one of them sarcastically says, genius, one time a day. <laughs> so just stuff like that that I think that gives you a little more variety. <laughs> You scream, we're all going to die. <laughs> just, just some, just some funny stuff. So it's he obviously knows the game really well and knows what what is fun for players, mm-hmm. and has uh, thrown that in there. So he's got like an encounter table and, and for rolling on, just things to help you get the ball rolling on, on building things. Yep. So there's a ton of information here. We've kind of just like scraped the surface, but. Um, I think it's pretty great stuff. It was really kind of him to send them to us, and even if he hadn't, I would pay for them. I thought they were really great materials. Yeah, they're really cool. It's a matter of finding everything out there in the the internets. Yeah, there's, yeah, a, there's lot. a lot of information out there. There's a lot of there's a lot of stuff for DMs. Um, but his, his stuff is really good quality. Um, the content's yeah. really solid. It's obviously been thought out and and makes sense. <laughs> I got the perfect finish to this, guys. Okay. Mm. Bring what kind home. of meals do drow hate? Mm. What kind? A light snack. 